The Brendan Leslie Show is brought to you by Shoot Center, America's gun range and store. Visit them at shootcenter.com. Enter code UNBOSSED, all lowercase, at checkout for $50 off a case of ammo. And Castleton Mortgage, offering refinancing, acquisitions, and home equity lines of credit in 48 states. Give these patriots a call at 239-267-9800. You're listening to The Brendan Leslie Show, the official podcast of Unbossed Reporting. All right, welcome to The Brendan Leslie Show, episode number three, exclusively seen here on Unbossed Reporting. Got a very special guest, jump right into it, and that's Seth Dillon, the CEO of the popular satire website, news website, uh, The Babylon Bee. Seth, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, speak with us today. Thanks for having me on, Brendan. Uh, You're one of my favorite people that I've been really uh, getting to vet and know over the past few weeks. I've always followed The Babylon Bee, but after getting to meet you in person a few weeks ago, at, a, at an event, it's been awesome to just see how uh, grounded you are in your conservative and Christian values, which I very much appreciate. And that's kind of the goal of this of this weekly podcast is to amplify voices such as yours. Well, that's great. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, we. Um, it, it's one of the ways that the bee was a good fit for me. You know, I didn't start the Babylon Bee. I, I took it over a few years ago, back in 2018, from its founder, and um, you know that was one of his concerns is that. He would be handing it off to somebody who would steward the asset well and and you know continue to take it in the direction that it was going um we you know we we like we like to make people laugh but we also like to make them think and confront some of their own um issues and and possibly hypocrisy or pride or or things of that nature so you know there's a there's a strong christian element to it where it's about our faith and and uh and confronting the areas that we struggle in but also you know dealing with the cultural issues and, and trying to speak truth to culture all of which we're going to dive into in this episode a little bit in a few minutes. But I start every single episode of the Brendan Leslie show with just the most random rapid fire questions I thought of this morning. And I want you to answer them with the, with the first thought that comes to your mind after I ask the question. You ready? Okay. All right. Let's cue the music. All right. Number one, dumbest thing you've seen this week. The dumbest thing I've seen this week. Yes. Uh, the Democrats uh, changing the way they refer to cages when a Democrat is in office. <laughs> <laughs> I am sure we're going to get into that as well in this episode. Number we're two, out, they're, they're now uh, migrant facilities or something like that. Facilities instead of cages because yeah, you know, uh, uh, Joe Biden in office and not orange men, orange men bad. <laughs> uh, which actually is a perfect segue into question number two. What's more believable, AOC caring about migrant children in cages or aliens live among us? Outer space aliens, not illegal aliens. Ooh, uh, outer space aliens. That's <laughs> <laughs> You know, I would probably say the same thing, to be honest. Uh, what food can you not live without? Steak. Me too. That actually growing up a skirt steak later today i am glad we're on the same on the medium same. rare medium rare is the only right answer and <laughs> for skirt steak overnight marinate in teriyaki sauce with a little oh seasoning. yeah okay so, we're bonding now yes this is see this is the point of this is get become more friends here uh question number four what's more destructive joe biden's pen or black lives matter Uh, okay. <laughs> well, you know, Joe Biden's pen is definitely dangerous. I think yeah. I mean, more dangerous than any one man's uh, uh, authority, though, in, in, in action, at least in our government with its checks and balances, is really bad, dangerous ideology. So I would actually, I'd go with Black Lives Matter on that one. 
Um, Two billion dollars of damage, uh, 30, mur- 30 plus murders. You're probably it's a pretty, pretty safe bet to say that it's Black Lives Matter. But yeah. I'm going to re-ask this question to you in a few months and we'll see how we're feeling then after <laughs> Joe Biden, if he makes it that long as president. Yeah. And the next question is, would you rather eat a tarantula or work for CNN? Eat a tarantula. Uh, maybe after it's been cooked, fried. Nope, we're doing raw. I like one I found in the desert. <laughs> I, um, I would still eat a tarantula. You know, if I was working for CNN, I could be one of uh, Project Veritas whistleblowers, though. So maybe I'll change my answer. I had uh, Project Veritas has just been crazy good in everything they've been doing. I love it. And yes, we do need more uh, whistleblowers for CNN. So you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to fill out an application for you. Hopefully we'll hear back for you. <laughs> You got quite the resume. All right. That concludes the rapid uh, random questions I thought of this morning. Uh, They have nothing to do with anything. I just want to get a nice icebreaker for all the viewers for them to get a little more insight into you. And we're going to get right into this. And I I want you to talk. You you mentioned it a little bit. You you ended up taking over from the original founder from 2016. Babylon Bee was founded, if I'm correct. Um, you know, how did you get involved? And uh, you guys are kind of described as the conservative version of the onion. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, we're frequently described that way, and I think it's um, it's an apt description just because you know it's th- this satire news genre. We're doing the same thing that they're doing. We're just doing it from a different perspective. Um, so I, I think it's it's a fair enough description. Although we're not, you know, we're not just trying to copy them. We we certainly want to try to have our own voice. Um, but new satire is new satire. They weren't original when they when they started doing it either. Well, um, you're, you're actually entertaining and funny and provide substance as opposed to the onion who just tries too hard and fails. All depends on where you fall. All the, you know, the comments on Twitter when anybody tries to compare us to the onion, you know, the people who are onion sympathizers and be haters will say exactly the opposite. Well, at least the onion's funny. And, you know, you guys are just uh, uh, writing about transphobia and, and misogyny. Um, but, yeah, we... Uh, I, I got involved because I was a big fan of the bee. I mean, I, I saw it getting shared all over the place. It was super funny, um, very witty and intelligent. Seemed to be coming from the same worldview that I had in terms of what it was, you know, holding up to criticize and, and, and ridicule. So um, I was looking at it as an investment opportunity. I was interested in getting involved really just behind the scenes to kind of fund it to help it grow if, uh, if they were looking for that kind of thing. Um, and Adam was really more interested in selling it. So we ended up working on a deal where I took it over, but didn't have to drive the content day to day. It came with an editor in chief built in and Kyle Mann. Um, so he's been continuing to run the content side of things with the whole team under him now. Um, so, you know, and my goal in, in getting involved was not to radically change it, take it in a direction I wanted it to go. I just wanted to help it grow and get to the next level from where it was. Um, so in that sense, I think it was a good fit because that's what Adam wanted for it. Uh, why did Adam end up wanting to step down? Um, number of reasons. Um, he doesn't like the attention that comes with it. He's a very private person. Um, the bee was generating a lot of media attention. Um, that was making him uncomfortable. He had huge concerns about big tech, um, overreach, censorship, tech tyranny. So, you know, the, the idea that Facebook, um, Twitter, Instagram, that these sites will make decisions um, on policy enforcement based on worldview, where basically if you have um, the wrong opinion of a certain of a certain uh, position, politically, culturally, um, you can be banned from those platforms. He had a lot of concern about what that indicated for the B, because, you know, the B really, it, doing satire and doing comedy 
you're always kind of stepping on uh, those particular landmines deliberately. You're wanting to trigger those types of conversations and, and confront those kinds of issues. And so it was, uh, I think, a big concern for his that, that he would end up running into some problems with social media and big tech. Um, and so, you know, rather than welcoming that fight, he wanted to, you know, avoid it. Um, and I saw it a little bit differently. I really kind of relish the, the fight. I think that uh, there need to be people in positions like the position the Babylon Bee is in who are willing to aggressively push back on this overreach um, and assert our right to not only be on these platforms, but to say and, and think what we believe and feel. And you would agree with me. Uh, one of my favorite uh, phrases these days is comedy is not dead. That's what the left wants to draw you up as, as transophobes, antagonistic <laughs> a-holes. But in reality, right. you're just poking fun at ridiculousness that's happening in our society. Yeah, and it's, and it's coming from a very lighthearted place. You know, a lot of the articles, there was a piece written about us in the, um, the Rolling Stone recently where they said that most of our content, or at least a good portion of our content, is explicitly transphobic and misogynistic. Um, and they linked to a couple of articles as examples of that. And they're just silly articles. There was, one of them was, an art, was about how a, a transgender woman um, uh, defeated all the other women in a jar opening contest. Yeah. And, you know, it shows a picture of someone who's like obviously a man wearing a wig, like opening a jar next to a woman who's struggling to open a jar. And, you know, it, it, OK, so um, people can argue that we're making fun of uh, women or, or we're, we're making fun of, of transgender individuals and whether or not they're, they're sincere and whatever. But it's a very lighthearted type of joke. It's not a hate filled joke. Mm-hmm. Um, and we poke it, you know, the, the misogyny thing. We make fun of women all the time. But anybody who spends any time on our site sees that we make fun of men just as much. We poke at men all the time. And that's a healthy thing, being able to laugh at ourselves. Comedy requires that we be able to laugh at ourselves. And if everything that every joke that we make is offensive and upsets us, then, you know, that is the death of comedy. Um, so that's something that the woke left are trying really hard at. And yeah, um, you guys have I always like to compare you guys to The Simpsons because it seems all the time you guys are just fortune tellers. You come out with a funny headline about just the most ridiculous thing and then like two months later it actually happens yeah i kind of want you to walk us through some of your favorites uh some of your favorite prophecies that have been fulfilled by the babylon b uh we have so many of them i think there's probably dozens at this point we every now and then we'll put out an article like 10 recent uh prophecies of the babylon b um i you know i joked about this in, in a, a a talk i recently gave um that you were at where you know prophecy is not that hard um what, what i said was something to the effect of it's as it's as simple as like thinking what could what could be really dumb if it happened what would be really stupid and ridiculous and hypocritical if it happened and then predict it and chances are it's going to come true because we're currently living in an age where um you know the the most absurd ridiculous things are happening with great regularity I, a, a great recent example of that is uh, in the middle of last year, in the midst of all these Black Lives Matter riots and the, and the protests and everything, um, we made a joke about how Black Lives Matter protesters had been um, awarded the Nobel Prize, a Peace Prize. And because they're all, all of these events were being described as mostly peaceful, the word peaceful kept coming up over and over and over again while there's burning buildings in the background and, and Molotov cocktails being thrown and all this stuff. So, um, you know, we've got 
we, we that was a, a joke where we're looking at okay what is the most absurd take you could possibly have on this type of violence well it would be to say that these people are, are worthy of the nobel peace prize and then you have um a story and then up happening this year <laughs> yeah just a few weeks ago you have this story come out where it's like uh where they've actually the black lives matter movement i didn't know you could nominate a movement for a peace prize but it's been nominated for the nobel peace prize yeah which is just, you know, it's just remarkable. And people look at that and they think to themselves, how is this not satire? How is it not satire? Well, it started as satire and now it's not satire. You just got to give it time. Um, but ones like that, I think, are, are, are interesting because it just those are um, clear examples of how uh, insane the world has gotten. But then there's other more lighthearted stuff where we'll put, make a joke about how um, you know, because everybody's doing Zoom calls from home during the pandemic. Um, shirts are selling really well in stores, but pants are, you know, pant sales are just bottoming out. And nobody, nobody's buying pants anymore because they don't need them when they're on Zoom calls. And then, you know, the next day after we publish an article like that, uh, Yahoo Finance does a report saying that Walmart is seeing increased sales of tops but not bottoms. And so it's just, you know, what, is that actually tied to the, the pandemic? I don't know. But it's just funny how, how we have these headlines pop up that just directly correspond to something we made a joke about. And why do you think, and you kind of touched upon this, but why do you think that keeps happening? How do you guys keep telling the future? Is it going to get any better? <laughs> I feel like this is a, deep, a more deep-rooted question than it actually appears that I'm asking. But I think you, you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, well, I think the reason that it keeps happening is because satire, the, the main job of satire is to exaggerate the truth a little bit. What we do is we look at, well, okay, what's really happening? Um, and how do we go a step beyond that to kind of show in an exaggerated way why this is bad or why this is, you know, deserving of ridicule, ridicule or mockery or why it deserves a second look? Um, so we're always trying to think just one step ahead. You don't want to be too absurd. You don't want to overreach uh, too far out beyond what's actually happening in the world because then um, it, it loses its uh, – it's not as funny. You know, jokes are funny because of, of how truthful they are. So we've got to stay really close to reality just going a step beyond it. Um, and I just think we're at this kind of breakneck speed right now in our, in our culture where um, – where more extreme positions are being adopted on both the left and the right um, at a very rapid pace. And so these slight reaches beyond where we're currently at, um, reality's catching up to where we reached to very quickly. And I'm going to ask an even deeper question here. Do you think there's really like this deeper meaning to Babylon B and, and basically why is it so needed in today's society? Again, a little bit redundant, but I feel like there's more there than that meets the eye. Um, well, I think it's needed for a couple of reasons. I think, for one thing, it filled a void. There was nobody really doing comedy um, that wasn't like super cheesy, uh, was kind of confronting these issues uh, in a head-on, like really kind of deadpan, ironical, satirical way. Um, there was a big void for that. I think it was needed because it was happening on the other side of the aisle very effectively. You know, the left is super good at, um, they, I mean, they dominate everything. They dominate education. They dominate the entertainment world, media. Um, but they're really good at comedy. They're really good at mocking and ridiculing the people that they disagree with. They're very bad, I feel, at uh, articulating arguments uh, for their positions and grappling with the actual issues in the in the the statements that their political or ideological opponents have made, but they're extremely good at ridiculing them. 
Um, and that's an effective tool. I say it all the time. The left plays dirty. We, the conservatives, the right, don't play smart. And then at the same time, the left is playing dirty. They right. don't debate us. They don't right. want us on the floor to, to debate the issues because they know they'll lose. So what do they do? They they go to attacks, like you're saying, and uh, right. which it's brilliant. You got yeah, it. when you can't when you can't win an argument and you attack the person, it's a sign that you're losing. Uh, what the Babylon Bee does a little bit differently, though, and this is what if I could summarize what we do uh, uh, and, and why we do it, we ridicule bad ideas, ridicule bad ideas. And the point is not to attack people and to avoid engaging in the argument to to make fun of somebody or to or, or you know, do you pull out some kind of a red herring or ad hominem? Um, the, the point is to take something that's deserving of ridicule and mockery because it's dangerous and it's bad or it's, you know, a, a double standard, um, unhealthy for society, unhealthy for, um, you know, just humanity, human flourishing. You look at those things and you mock them and you deride them. Um, and it has an effect on people. It actually helps people sometimes see the absurdity of a viewpoint uh, much better than a scholarly paper could. So, you know, um, yes. I, I say this all the time. Lewis was uh, famously quoted as saying that good philosophy must exist if for no other reason than because bad philosophy must be answered. And I say all the time, satire is necessary for exactly the same reason. It doesn't refute um, these arguments on the left, but what it does is it ridicules the bad ideas, and it's a different angle at approaching, uh, uh, pushing back on them. That's a brilliant way to put it. I mean, what's the saying that all us journalists or anyone in the media learns in college from day one keep it simple stupid kiss mm -hmm. right that's essentially what you're doing almost in a way yeah 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 i mean just cutting right to the core of it you know just uh and and, and i think that sometimes when you take an idea too seriously you validate it um and, and and sometimes it's better it's more effective to instead of taking it really seriously to just laugh at it and say you're absurd that's ridiculous that is not you know that nobody should believe that nobody should do that um you know mocking and deriding bad ideas while it sounds mockery and ridicule these are these words have negative connotations uh, but i think it's a moral good uh to engage in ridiculing and mocking bad ideas i'm not talking about you know going to attacking people but mocking the ideas themselves that's a good thing and Seriously, if anyone ever gets offended by what you guys do, it's just like lighten up. <laughs> I can't believe it. It's I, I've honestly gotten to the point where I've just eliminated all filters. I don't care anymore. You know what? If you get, I used to when I first started out doing this conservative reporting that I'm doing. I used to be careful. Right. I, I wanted to, you know, reach the other side. But I'm now I'm just like, no. Why am I holding back? This is what they want. That's control. Yeah. yeah. Indirectly, but it is. Well, that's one of the primary ways. Um, one of the primary ways that the left censors speech is not by forcibly preventing you from talking, which they do enjoy doing, um, but by making you feel so uncomfortable and by making you yeah. pay a price for what you say um, socially. You know, shaming you, making you feel bad, whatever. Same um, yeah, you got to be really, you got to be mindful. People are constantly mindful. Well, if I say that, what kind of reaction am I going to get? And that kind of reactionary response that they give you causes you to self-center, self-censor. Um, so, you know, if you are, if you're tired of that and you're rejecting that and you're saying what you think, then props to you because I think more people need to do that. If we all just stop caring how everybody's going to react to what we say, um, you know, free speech will, will flourish again, I think. 
you know what was the key for me to really get like stronger and just honestly not care I, I'm just kind of like I walk into social media, I drop the grenade, I walk away. Don't even read the responses, the replies. I, I will sometimes and like, try to interact with some of my fans. But for the most part, I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to change anyone's minds. This is what I have to say. Take it or leave it. And that's yeah. it. Yeah. And I think that's wise. I mean, a lot of times you can get into those back and forths with um, trolls who don't even have any followers. Their accounts are just there to give you a hard time. Yeah. Um, and that's not, you know, that's not beneficial for anybody. And it's just a waste of waste of your time. You're better off just, you know, yeah, say what you think and, and step back from it. Let them have at it. Well, if there's any reason to trust and love the most accurate news source in America, the Babylon Bee, uh, Elon Musk is your biggest endorsement. <laughs> Lately, yeah. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. Have you got to talk to him? Not yet. Um are we trying? I have I have replied to him directly when he when he tweeted uh I think it was back in November or something like that. It was a few months ago. He tweeted the Babylon Bee is savage. He just tweeted yeah. that out of you know nowhere, and uh, and I replied underneath that and said want to buy it, and uh, and he didn't <laughs> respond to that. But you know I was half kidding, um, half serious. You know somebody like him could pay a lot of money for the Babylon Bee. Um, I'm not sure what he would do with it exactly. Try to take it to Mars or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a very very interesting guy, super bright guy, um, and and just so controversial in everything he says. And I, I love how the left just hates that he likes to be. They think that that's an indictment on his intelligence or something like that. And really, Musk isn't. You wouldn't necessarily peg him as a conservative. Musk. What I love about him is very much Musk, not yeah. Right. This is a conversation that you need to promise me you'll work on getting is having you and him sitting down, having a beer, and talking about anything. That's a conversation I want to see. I would pay money to watch you two talk. If we can, if we can find a way to make that happen, I would love to do that. Um, I don't know how reachable he is, but he does consume our content, so we do have at least that tied to him. I don't know if you saw or not, but we launched an Elon Musk subscription tier. Did you see that on our website? No, I did not. It's oh, like ten, it's ten grand a month. Um, <laughs> and it's like, signed up yet? Yeah, you get like a large Babylon B decal to stick on your rocket, you know. So, I mean, it's just like tailored for him so that we can try to get him to sign up on that tier because he can afford it, right? Yeah, and then you can get that's a great way to get his email or contact information. It is. Yeah, yeah. So, I, we just threw it out there as kind of a, a a joke, but also like bait, you know, maybe he'll take the bait and sign up and we'll have, you know, that connection to him. Keep sending those subliminal messages. Yeah. Honestly, just do a whole article be like, "Hey, M dear Musk, and yeah. if he if he responds and then just tweet it out every single day. <laughs> I'm convinced that you will make that happen. Seth Dillon, the CEO of the Babylon Bee. Thank you very much for taking the time to join us here on Brent, the Brendan Leslie show. Episode number three. Uh, just keep doing what you're doing. It's it's great. It's honestly one of the bright spots of my day getting to read your guys headlines because it just it's such a negative world out there. And especially covering politics like I do, I'm just always feel like I'm in this negative bubble. But then when I get to take a second to look at Twitter or anything and see you guys uh, pushing your headlines. It's just like a moment for me to breathe. And I very much appreciate that. And I'm sure there's hundreds. Thanks, of man. I, I appreciate that. You keep doing what you're doing too. And thanks for having me on. Yeah. I, I know our team is like, they're steeped in the news and, they, and they're in this negative cycle all the time, but it is helpful to try to think of like lighthearted ways to, to have fun with it. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of therapeutic for us and writing the headlines and the jokes. Uh, and I, it's great to hear people say that, that, you know, is a bright spot for them. 
Absolutely. Thank you very much, Seth. If you guys are at home watching on Facebook, Twitter, or Spotify, make sure you share this on the social medias and help us out. Uh, you spread the message some for the Brennan Leslie Show because we are here amplifying level-headed voices such as Seth, and it's it's great to have him on. Uh, Seth, God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you very much. You too. Thanks, man.